0: This is Global Tennessee, news, analysis, and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in
1: association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit
0: educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants.
1: Welcome to Global Nashville with Carl Dean. I'm Patrick Ryan, president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and we're pleased to uh, be talking with Carl Dean today, the host of uh, Global Nashville, and uh, Jim Shepard, the chairman of the board of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and Ambassador Charles Bowers, uh, also a member of the Tennessee World Affairs Council board. Uh, We're pleased to bring you uh, uh, the Global Nashville with Carl Dean podcast uh, after a brief uh, hiatus over the summer, but we wanted to get... Uh, back uh, back to business. And uh, Carl, uh, uh, welcome back from your summer trips and uh, and our getting uh, this uh, podcast back on the schedule. Oh, it's good to be back. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the, uh, the things that make uh, Nashville a, a global city. We're going to talk a little bit about the change of leadership in the city with the election of uh, the new mayor, John Cooper. Uh, we'll talk about international business, uh, new Americans, uh, cultural activities. Um, and uh, other things happening in Nashville. Uh, so thank you, gentlemen, uh, for coming in today. Uh, Carl, uh, be- before we get uh, too far into this, I know you had a uh, trip over the summer that that made the headlines uh, here in Nashville, and and uh, even the Washington Post that reported a story about you and a small boat and uh, an ice up up north. Why don't you tell us what that was all about? Yeah, well, I think the uh, the news story
0: certainly. Um I think it was exciting, but it was not quite as dangerous as I think a lot of people assume. Uh, I went up to um, Svalbard, which is an island north of Norway, uh, quite a bit north of Norway, uh, above the Arctic Circle, uh, where we went out on a, uh, a boat, about a 60-footer, with a crew of four, and there were eight of us from Nashville. Um, it was... Not a trip, but it was on my bucket list, but they are putting it together, and they invited me to go, and I thought, well, this will probably be the last opportunity for me ever to do this in my life, so I wanted to go. And our goal was to um, basically boat around the island, and we went up to about 80 degrees latitude, um, which is pretty far up um, toward toward the Arctic, and reached the point where this boat couldn't go any further because of the ice. Uh, but we actually were able to have the experience of getting off the boat and walking on the ice pack covering the ocean there, which was, which was interesting. Um, and then the island itself, it's a big island, and it's, it's, uh, there's no vegetation really there at all. Um, it's known for having polar bears, uh, walruses, Arctic fox, um, some interesting birds. Uh, Very pretty, Uh, and then the the ice and all of the different um, glaciers that we saw—it's just kind of a stark beauty. But it was a good trip, and on the way back, we were out for about ten days. And on the way back, when we were heading back, uh, one morning at about 4:30, the crew woke us up and said that um, there was smoke coming out of the pump room, and they wanted us to immediately gather uh, in front of the boat outside which we did, and one of the things to bear in mind is that the entire time we were there, the sun never set. So at 4.30 in the morning, it's not like you're running around in the dark trying to find your way to the top of the boat. Right. It's like 3, three o'clock in the afternoon, so that was fairly easy. Uh, we get up there, and the captain informs us that they were concerned about the smoke and the toxicity, potentially, of the smoke, and he had decided that we needed to get off the boat. And so um, they... Inflated these say, these two uh, rescue rafts that could hold probably 10 people, maybe 12 people each, <clears throat> and uh, we got into those, and we're floating out in the ocean there, and uh, helicopters arrived to get us in probably 10, 10 minutes after we were there. Were you detached from the mothership? Were you we're detached from the mothership. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, you know, they, with the risk of fire or something happening, they didn't want the rafts to be near the ship. They okay. wanted us to be away from it. And so, when the helicopters arrived, they, um, the rescue crew from the, from the island, and, you know, they rescue uh, people came down uh, one at a time to get us, hook us up, and take us up into the helicopter, hoist us up. Um, and that went really smooth. It probably took, a minute and a half per person to be removed from the ocean and up to the up to the to the helicopters. We were all wearing these safety suits that in theory, and I think it's probably true, you could float out in the ocean in those safety suits just in the water, probably for a day or two and be fine if they remained watertight, which sure. I think they, they would have. And so we got into the helicopters, they took us back to the to the rescue center and then to the, to the, to the hospital to make sure there was no smoke inhalation issues. And then we were released to spend the next, the two days we thought we had left on the boat, sort of looking around the Island a little more, a little more detail, but I can't speak highly enough of the, the crew. The crew never panicked. They certainly put us first. Um, and they, got, they were very organized about how they handled it. Safety was their main concern. And then the rescue people were extraordinarily competent. I mean, they've, they've done this before. They've taken people off out of the water and off boats. And so they handled that very smoothly. Um, and one of the, we were greeted by uh, a doctor when we arrived at the, at the headquarters for the safety folks. And he said, uh, welcome to Norway. This is uh, the welfare state. Your rescue is free, and and you'll now be going to the hospital, and that'll be free, too. So I thought, well, that's that's nice, you
2: know. Long live socialism. There you go. Democratic socialism.
0: Yeah. They were very very impressed by everything that was done there. And it was the highlight of the trip. I mean, obviously, we were a little apprehensive. But my biggest fear, frankly, was that— I thought we were fine getting off the boat. I just thought that once we got into these rafts, we'd be floating out there, you know, for an hour or two, and that would be a little hairy, just bouncing around out there, people getting seasick and things, but that didn't happen. How far from land were you? Oh, we weren't that far. I mean, you could see- It was in sight? Yeah, you could see land. Okay. I mean, we were never, maybe just for a very brief time, but we were never really out of view of of land. We were going around the island and going into fjords and things like that. Yeah. This was a sailing vessel? It was a sailing vessel with motors, and I think we we were almost exclusively using the motor, and we okay. weren't sailing. Um, I would recommend it. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which part are you well, recommending? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, actually, you know, I recommend it all, but the, um, it is, the Arctic is a very interesting place, and I, we spent some time reading about it. And the, the beauty of this area, it's sort of like almost like a desert because it's so stark, it's so empty. Uh, but the ice and the glaciers are, are, are remarkable, and uh, the polar bears. You know, we saw probably ten or eleven uh, on the trip. the um, The community there is tourism's big. There's a lot of coal mining that's done on the island. Um, there have been Russian settlements, and there still is a, a Russian uh, coal operation on, on Svalbard. On the yep. And so it it's an interesting place. Yeah, uh, for it's sure. a little
1: off the beaten track. Well, it's it's increasingly in the news and you probably heard over the summer the the concern over the melting on Greenland and you know Greenland was uh-huh. in the news uh, after the uh, acquisition proposal was was floated <laughs> but uh, before that there was news about the uh, tremendous billions of gallons a day of, of sand uh, being cr- of, of water that yeah. uh, was running off uh, from the
0: the melting there, well, they and- have the same issues there. I mean, I don't know wherever you are in Europe, you're going to hear about global warming. Um, whether you're in Switzerland and the glaciers melting there, or whether you're uh, in sure. Nor- Norway or Svalbard up in the far north, I mean, the glaciers are retreating. I mean, there's, there's no there's no question about that. And it's probably not a consensus that I heard about the status of the of the Arctic ice, the Arctic ice pack, uh, whether that's withdrawing, but that's the that's the prediction that that's going to continue to shrink. And, you know, people talk about new boat passages opening up and things like that, um, but it's an interesting place.
1: Well, that's that's also in the news, the uh, commercial uh, exploitation of the Arctic. Uh, there was a meeting of the Arctic Council, and that, that made some news. Uh, Secretary Pompeo was there, and, and also the Chinese are laying claim to the east-west route as part of their Belt and Road project. So, the Arctic is uh, becoming more and more newsworthy, and, and something that we need to uh, learn more about.
0: One of the interesting things in um, in the main town on the island is they have this um, seed bank, which is built into uh, into the into the ground. It's like a very deep, and you can't go into it. But we actually saw the building, the structures for it, um, and there they preserve seeds of all known uh, plant life in the world. And they continue to gather it and maintain it. Um, Is so that, that on Svalbard? Yes. Oh, okay. I've heard, I've heard of it. I, I thought it was on the mainland. Yeah, so it's, that's, that's there, and we were able to go by that. Interesting.
2: Interesting. Are they worried about the temperature rising and being able to keep the seeds? Because that was basically a, a, a freezer that they built.
0: Right? Yeah, I don't know where they are in that. Actually, I think the, I don't know what the date is, but the the, the person who started that is coming to Nashville in the next week or two uh, to speak um, about
1: that project. Well, we'll have to see about getting uh, that person on the podcast. Well, good stuff. Uh, we'll have to uh, talk more about climate and uh, your experiences with helicopters and the uh, and rescue gear. Uh, as, as an old Navy guide, I, I like to hear and see stories about those kinds of things. Uh, but let's let's turn towards uh, what's going on in Nashville. And as uh, former mayor of our fair city, you were one of the distinguished uh, guests at the swearing in of uh, our new mayor, John Cooper. Um, any, uh, any reflections on leadership in terms of uh, the globalness of uh, Nashville? What What impact uh, new leadership might have on the international aspects of our city?
0: Well, one of the things that I was struck by attending uh, Mayor Cooper's inauguration was the recognition there and the reality that the Metro Council um, has become more diverse. Um, In this last go-round, the city elected its first Muslim council member, councilwoman at large, we elected our first Latino Madam, uh, Zulfat Suara. Yeah, we elected our first uh, Latina uh, member from a district, um, and the and the council as a whole is much more like the city's population than it's ever been. So I think there's a, a growing awareness of Nashville's diversity and the need to celebrate that and the need to see that as a positive thing. And I think, uh, I know Mayor Cooper does, and that will be something that he'll that he'll, uh, continue to emphasize moving forward. You know, I think it's, you know, he's got a unique opportunity having won a very, very large victory, um, to, to, to enact some of his ideas. Um, I think he'll, he'll be somebody that's interested in Nashville as a global city. He's clearly a very bright, intelligent person who's had a variety of experiences and is going to bring all that to bear, uh, in his
1: new responsibilities. Well, he uh, he was quoted in the Tennessean article about the swearing-in ceremony, as calling the council and the city uh, a gorgeous mosaic, and and uh, talked about how diversity makes us stronger. Um, Dick, you you were there as well, Any he selections on on the well, direction?
2: I was I was there with my wife Kay, who is a member of the uh, Metropolitan Development Housing Board now. Um, but we, we had a wonderful time. It was a festive and fun inauguration. Upbeat. And, it, and this was over um,
1: at uh, the Stratford It was at uh, Stratford Magnus High School,
2: school which uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, and my understanding is that used to be an all-white school. It was integrated right. back when.
0: Well, in fact, one of the members of uh, Mayor Cooper's new administration was one of the was first. Was one of the
2: first ladies to integrate that school, right. which was great. It was... Uh, full of a bunch of people doing a bunch of things. They had old veterans, and then they had young pom-pom girls. We had the mariachi band that was getting everybody happy. We had a drum corps that went on. The band from the high school marched in and played music. Uh, And I was struck by the civility of it all, in that I think Mayor Cooper went out of his way to thank Mayor Briley and the previous administration, and it was a very good handoff and change of command kind of ceremony.
0: Right. And I would, you know, I think it's interesting about the mariachi band. You know, actually, Nashville schools have been working or have had uh, mariachi bands going back, at least to, to my time as mayor. But that's just how the cities change. I mean, that's yeah. just that is something that I don't think people were surprised by it. But they but it's great to see that. And they were incredibly energetic. Yeah. Uh, they're big crowd pleasers.
1: Yeah.
2: MTSU had a choir that was that closed right. out the ceremony, and they were just rocking it out. It was a wonderful afternoon. Sorry, wonderful sorry, day. I missed that. I, yeah.
1: I I will note that uh, Stratford was one of the schools uh, participating in our Academic WorldQuest program, the uh, competition we do with high school students, and we're always anxious to add more schools to. Uh, the list of uh, uh, Metro Nashville schools and other schools that participate in that. And we uh, are always happy to visit schools and talk about what WorldQuest is and what it can do for students in terms of providing some global awareness, uh, education, and uh, inspiring young people to think about the the world outside uh, Davidson County. Well, great. Any uh, Anything more anybody wants to add about the future direction uh, with new leadership or ready to move on? Uh, next, we wanted to tackle the, uh, uh, the topic of international business, and uh, certainly Nashville is uh, uh, the, the beneficiary of uh, a, a great deal of foreign trade and investment from uh, uh, partners overseas in Tennessee. Uh, I think the uh, business climate was rated uh, number one uh, by a, a business index for the state of Tennessee, and that speaks well for the uh, the Middle Tennessee community as well. Um, uh, Carl, do you want to lead off with your thoughts on uh, what's going on in the, in the area of uh, business and commerce and, and the international global arena? Yeah, well, I think you know Nashville has been
0: uh, very successful in the last ten years or so of attracting new business here and seeing uh, existing businesses expand here. And if you just look back at this, even the last couple of years, you look at companies like Alliance Bernstein, which has international connections coming here, uh, Bridgestone, which obviously built its brand new headquarters, making a, a massive investment in downtown Nashville, which you don't, you know, big headquarter buildings in downtown areas don't happen that frequently, and that's a big deal. Right. Um, Amazon's commitment to the city. You, know, you can go on and name others, but there are all these companies that, that are involved in international trade in our international entities that are choosing Nashville. And the reason for that is um, I think the city is, has a really strong economy. The basics are are, are, are good here. And, and people see it as a uh, high-quality place to live and a place that is a good place to invest. And, and, you know, a lot of reasons for it. I mean, you know, one is I think it's an affordable state. I think it's got a good business climate. And I think that um, – People um, see this see the city as a place that has a, a wonderful future.
1: Well, you you mentioned Alliance Bernstein. I'll I'll just uh, tease everyone for a podcast coming up. We're talking with uh, Alliance Bernstein about uh, participating in uh, this podcast. So in a couple of weeks, we'll have somebody talking about uh, their global uh, uh, interests and and what uh, what they see uh, as being attractive about Nashville and what they'll be bringing uh, to uh, to the city. I just wanted to remind everybody that this is the Global Nashville with Carl Dean podcast, part of the Global Tennessee podcast service from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're talking with former Mayor Carl Dean, uh, Mr. Jim Shepard. He's the chairman of the Tennessee World Affairs Council Board of Directors and Ambassador Dick Bowers uh, from a career as a foreign service officer, ambassador to Bolivia, and a member of the board of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. And, uh, Jim, we we left off with... uh, uh, a conversation uh, started about international business, and as the former chairman of the International Business Council of the National Area Chamber and President of Carlex Glass International Business Concern, uh, you're, you're our business guy here. So what's your take on what's happening in the business environment uh, on, the, on the global side of things?
3: Well, thanks, Pat. I, maybe I'll begin by uh, telling our, our listeners just how significant international business is to Middle Tennessee. Uh, Currently, we have over 300 foreign-owned corporations in operation in Middle Tennessee, and they are representing 30 different countries. Collectively, they have 51,000 employees in the Middle Tennessee area, which is a very, very significant presence in the community, and and I'm not sure everybody really understands and appreciates just how significant that is. Uh, I could say, think about why, and we talked a little bit about that earlier. It's certainly a very, very uh, welcoming environment. People want to live here from a quality of life, but also uh, makes sense from a business perspective. Uh, The tax structure is is attractive, and I think one of the the real keys certainly was landing Nissan uh, 25, 30 years ago, whenever that occurred. That really was the nucleus that, that got everything started. Uh, As Nissan grew operations, supplier companies came in to support Nissan. That created a presence for GM to invest in Spring Hill. It certainly uh, caught the attention of Volkswagen with their investment in Chattanooga. And it just feeds upon itself. So I, I see this as something that's going to continue to grow. It's a great opportunity for... Uh, our part of the country to uh, have a stronger, stronger economy, uh, provide very good jobs, well-paying jobs for a number of people, and and really that's what business is trying to do is create an environment that's going to be very successful for the population and the community as a whole.
1: Well, one of the, one of the areas uh, you know you talked about foreign trade and investment, and and a lot of people don't realize that there's uh, a thing called foreign trade zone, which uh, for Nashville Davidson County was established uh, back in 1983, which basically is a, a customs territory that uh, tracks business to our area because they can bring their goods into this uh, foreign trade zone and not have them uh, impose uh, duty on those goods uh, and, and uh, export uh, uh, alike. Uh, but uh Clearly, there's, there's a lot of initiatives of the federal government, the state government, and the local government uh, to make Nashville and uh, Tennessee a, an attractive destination for foreign trade investment, as, as you pointed out. Uh, Dick, you wanted to talk about the uh, concept of Nashville as a destination. But
2: just uh, from my personal viewpoint, I mean, I spent my career as a diplomat mostly overseas and was not personally involved with the business community although I had a lot of uh, contacts with them but I'm struck with with the number of foreign tourists that are coming to Nashville these days and I go down to Broadway and you go into Tootsie's, and you can raise a beer with a German visitor for example Um, the other side of that is Nashville has become an international culinary wonder place you can get whatever kind of food you want, and usually it's all very good. So Nashville's very diverse, very international, and I'm glad it is.
3: Well, I'll give you a corollary to that. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was in Tokyo, Japan, on a business trip. And we, uh, after dinner, we decided to uh, sample the nightlife a little bit. We went to our host's uh, local bar, and we walked in, and everybody was dressed, dressed in country western attire. <laughs> yes. It turned out to be Tokyo. a karaoke bar, but totally country western. All the conversation was in Japanese until somebody got up to sing, and they sang in perfect English. It was, it was the most bizarre experience I had. So Nashville is, is, is not only attracting people, but exporting a lot of Export, our culture as well. Go. Well, I'd,
0: I'd, I'd add to this discussion. I think is important to, is the significance and the positive growth of our airport. Um, you know, uh, those of us who've been to the airport recently to pick somebody up or to go somewhere, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's a lot of construction, and um, and we'll get through that. Yeah, lately we're not appreciating the, the growth. <laughs> right, but but when we get through that, it's it's going to be a good thing for the city. I mean, having the the British air flight from London is significant, um, and I think you're going to see. Hopefully, flights to Japan. I think given uh, Tennessee's relationship with Japan, that will that will happen in time. Um, but having a great airport, which uh, ours is getting better and better and better, is going to be a real benefit to our city.
1: Well, talking with Lori Odom, who's also on our board and, and is VP for International Things at the Nashville Chamber, that uh, flight from London to Nashville uh, has opened uh, interest in, in the U.K. for uh, trade and investment with uh, with Tennessee, so that's that's a plus. Uh, I'll also mention a, a plug for sister cities of Nashville. Uh, they have a relationship with Belfast, uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Excuse me, don't want to get my uh, <laughs> Ireland's mixed up there, especially with Brexit looming. There could be uh, an issue, but uh, Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, uh, part of the UK, is a sister city to Nashville. And last year we had, uh, uh, or Sister Cities, had an exchange program with Belfast uh, for musicians to, uh, to do some training uh, back and forth. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we take for granted uh, the, the music venues that we go to and the music industry uh, on the music row. Uh, but clearly that's, a, that's an international dimension of, uh, of Nashville that, that can't go uh, uh, unspoken about. Well, just uh, uh, again, this is the Global Nashville with Carl Dean podcast. I'm Pat Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're here with uh, former Mayor Carl Dean, uh, Jim Shepard from the World Affairs Council uh, board, and Ambassador Dick Bowers from the board as well. And uh, we're talking about the things that make uh, Nashville a global city, uh, an international destination, and the international aspect of what's going on in uh, in Nashville. One, one thing that uh, we're going to turn to, uh, the concept of new Americans uh, and the large population of uh, of uh, Nashvilleans who were born uh, abroad, who are now residents and uh, citizens here in Nashville, and and uh, Mayor Dean, you uh, uh, you've got something to do with the office of uh, new Americans at City Hall. What, why don't you uh, tell us the the uh, what was behind the creation of the office and what the impact of that and and the population of new Americans means to Nashville? Well, I think one of
0: the things that has occurred in Nashville over the last decade or more has been really a doubling of the number of uh, residents who were born in another country who are here. And so you have um, a significant number of new people in the community. And one of the things we tried to do with the creation of the Office of New Americans and some other programs was to help make um, the city welcoming and to help people adjust to being in Nashville uh, and to reach out to the, our newest citizens and um, I thought we've, we had great success with that I know Mayor Barry, Mayor Briley kept those programs going and um, I think they have served the city well I, I do think, uh, I just fundamentally believe that great cities are diverse cities that cities that are welcoming, cities that um, are attracting new people are the cities that are going to succeed And if you just think about it in a very fundamental way, you want to be a city where people want to live. You want to be a city where people think this is where there's uh, going to be economic opportunity. There's going to be a chance to get ahead. This is a place where our kids are going to be treated well and receive good education. And this is a place that's going to be friendly to us. And, you know, that message gets sent out and it goes around the world. And businesses consider that. People who are looking at universities consider that. And I think Nashville's in a good position right now to continue to be an attractive place for people to move here.
1: And just looking at uh, at the numbers here, this isn't a new phenomenon. Um, according to something called the World Population Review, Nashville's foreign-born population uh, nearly doubled. Uh, what's the last decade? It tripled between 1990. And 2000, and nearly doubled in the last decade. So uh, this this is something that's been going on for a while. And and uh, as you mentioned, uh, in, in the diversity of the city is is really a, a positive uh, for uh, for Nashville. And uh, you know, Nashville is is home to large populations of uh, Mexicans, Kurds, Vietnamese, Cambodians, Laotians, um, people from Arab uh, countries, a variety of uh, nations there, and Bantus. Uh, large pa- uh, Pakistani and Afghani uh, populations. And uh, of note, uh, one of the largest populations of Kurdish people outside of Kurdistan in Iraq. Um, and I don't know that we have good numbers on that, but uh, clearly uh, the Kurdish community is, is a important uh, part of uh, Nashville's diversity. And there was a recent uh, feature in the Nashville scene about the Kurdish population and how they're uh, coming together in the Chamber of Commerce and some other efforts uh, to uh, advance uh, that community. So there's uh, a rich history, and and as you point out, it's uh, a positive factor uh, for, uh, for Nashville.
2: Dick, you have hey, something? Well, speaking of your rich history, uh, one of the goody things about being a re- retired guy is you, you kind of get to do what you want to do, unless your wife doesn't want <laughs> you to do it maybe, but um, – One of the things that I get to do is to teach English as a second language, and I do that at Belmont United Methodist Church uh, right near Vanderbilt. And that church has been housed an English language learning program for almost 50 years. It's been bigger and smaller and waxed and waned. This year we have about 140 students. And they come every Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to noon. Uh, they got, we have six different levels, and they represent over 45 different countries. So some people are here because their spouse is taking a postdoc at Vanderbilt. Other people are here because they're refugees from the Golden Triangle area. And it's a wonderful thing to see these people wanting to learn English and wanting to become integrated and part of what the American Dream is all about.
1: Jim, anything that that, uh, I think we've pretty well gone through the importance of uh, diversity here. We we did want to mention refugee resettlement and uh, the the fine folks at uh, Turk. Uh, Dick, did you have uh, other comments?
2: Uh, immigrant and refugee rights coalition, they're, I think Carl, as you talked earlier about this, they're more of an advocacy group but they really worry about making sure that that America remains a welcoming place. And there's a huge difference between a refugee who has a well-founded fear of being killed or persecuted in his or her homeland, so has to leave. And uh, an economic migrant who wants to come up to become the latest Jeff Bezos, I guess. Um, Nashville has been very welcoming with refugees. And, and from my perspective, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, you're back to your airport, Carl, most of the time you take a taxi out to the airport, it will be someone who is starting on that economic ladder. And one of the easiest jobs, other than maybe flipping burgers, is to drive a cab. And I really enjoy having conversations with these taxi drivers. Where did you come? How did you get here? What is your story? How do you like Nashville? What's good? What's bad? It's a wonderful thing.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and Turk does, I think, really good work. I've been you know, trying to help them with an effort they are doing to build a building in, um, here in Nashville in, in the Antioch area. But, you know, to me it all boils down to this idea that when you think about a city, you think about a, a, a city – you want to be a city where people want to live, and, and, and when I look at a refugee or somebody who could live anywhere in the United States, they could and they, once they're settled someplace, they, could, they move, and when they move to your city, that's the highest compliment they can give you because they're saying basically this is where I want my future to be, this is where I want my kids to, to be, this is where I want to put down my stake and live the American dream, and that's the highest compliment anybody can ever give us. I mean, it'll be a bad thing if people say, well, don't go to Nashville, <laughs> whatever you do. <laughs> but they're not saying that. They're saying, get to Nashville. That's, there's, it's, it's, there's, there's hope and there's a future there. Yeah. And right? that, not know. only
3: is it good for the, the people coming from the other countries, but it's really good for Nashville from the perspective we all learn, we grow, we find bigger and better ways to do things. It, it's really a win-win, I think, for everybody involved.
0: Right and I think there's I think there's a correlation between Nashville's success over the last 10 years economically and the fact that we have been attractive to to newcomers. Uh, you, you you don't grow, you don't get prosperity unless people are here to do the work. Exactly. exactly. And all these
1: things are connected. The uh the diversity attracts uh interest from around the country for people who are looking for uh you know, not just foreign born but Americans who want to come to a city that has that uh that mosaic as uh Mayor Cooper referred to it. Uh, let's just talk briefly about uh, you know in relation to New Americans, some of the cultural festivals that uh, go on in Nashville. When uh, when this podcast airs, we'll have just gone through the Celebrate Nashville, which is a major event for anybody who hasn't gone. I- uh, hope you uh, hope you're able to get to this year's event. If not, put it on your calendar for next year. But there's a host of uh, activities that, uh, if if you subscribe to any kind of city calendar or planner, you can identify some of these. and And a couple of them that occur to me is the uh, uh, clearly the uh, uh, cherry blossom festival in the spring at uh, at uh, downtown uh, at in front city hall.
0: Yeah, that's one of the.
1: In uh, front, front of the courthouse here yeah. that's uh, that's a fantastic that's, event.
0: that's grown exponentially and that you know and that goes back to uh, during my first term uh, the consul's office consul General office moved to Nashville from New Orleans and um, we very consciously worked with uh, the Consul General to create a, an event to celebrate the relationship between Nashville and Japan. And the uh, Japanese government has planted a thousand cherry trees, and have been, you know, enormously supportive of the community and nor- enormously involved. And it's it's a tribute to that. And the attendance of that is just, I mean, I remember when we first started, you know, there was like, you know, 300 of us, and now it's thousands of people down there, and all sorts of activities going on.
1: Right. And and we'll uh, we'll we'll put a note in here that uh, the consul general, uh, uh, the honorable uh, Kobayashi, is uh ending his term here in nashville and be moving on so uh we're we're good friends with the japanese consulate and and wish him well uh and look forward to uh, the next consul general and and, and i the like, affairs I'd, council working with with him or her.
2: i'd like to throw out a to-do to our new mayor we need more consulates general here in nashville and we ought to get down there and convince those folks that are sitting down mm-hmm. in atlanta with all that traffic and the lousy food <laughs> to come on up here and enjoy nashville
1: well, that, uh, that's certainly a challenge. Uh, they, We do seem to uh, have a lot of the Consuls General from Atlanta coming up here regularly. They must like uh,
2: the environment. The, uh, they the like envir- That's <laughs> the, the environment
1: here. But we've had uh, the good pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, six of the EU Consuls General, and you can find that podcast uh, where you find uh, Global Tennessee uh, at soundcloud.com slash TNWAC. Well... Uh, uh, folks, we're uh, about out of time here, and I just want to wrap it up. Any closing comments on the things that make Nashville a global city? Uh, we ran through business and culture and the new Americans and the new uh, way forward with the new mayor. Any last thoughts, uh, well, I think Chip?
0: since we're here at Belmont, you got to recognize the universities. I, mean, I think one of the things we don't talk about enough, one of Nashville's basic strengths is that we have all these universities here um, who contribute greatly to the community, but also are a continuous source of attracting new people to Nashville. Sure. And they attract people here who come from a very diverse backgrounds. And so I would put the universities up there as a huge part of uh, Nashville as a global city.
1: Right. That's, uh, that's a great point. I don't know how we uh, didn't mention that because we're always thankful to uh, Belmont University in particular for our relationship with the World Affairs Council being hosted here uh, we, uh, well, Pat,
2: those universities are international in scope as well. The sure. number of foreign students that come here, and especially at the graduate level, the things that are going on at, at Vanderbilt, for example, with people from around the world doing their postdoc studies, uh, that's kind of unique in many of our cities in America.
1: For sure. For sure.
2: Any last comments? Uh, anybody? i just throw in something like uh, follow-up on Mayor Dean, that I'm one of those people that had the luxury of being able to vote with their feet. And I settled in Nashville because Nashville is a really nice place to live. And it's an exciting place to live. And its diversity is one of the main reasons I wanted to come here.
1: Well, with that, we'll uh, wrap up this edition of Global Nashville with Carl Dean. Uh, Mayor Dean, will be back uh, with some... Uh interviews between you and and some other folks. As I mentioned, Alliance Bernstein is going to be talking with us, and we've got uh, a couple other people on uh, on the short list. Uh, Mr. John Scanepieco from Baker Donaldson, who's an expert on uh, trade with China and Asia uh, business relations, will be here, and we're uh, going to be talking with uh, uh, some other folks about uh, business and uh, other uh, aspects of Nashville as as a global place. So uh, thanks for hosting uh, this this broadcast. Well, thank you. And that's it. This is uh, Patrick Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. This has been Global Nashville with Carl Dean. Uh, you can find this and uh, the rest of our podcasts on soundcloud.com slash TNWAC. Uh, you can check the uh, broadcast notes. Uh, for information on any of the things that we discussed today. Also check tnwac.org, the website of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, We invite you to become a member of the council. That's one way we uh, pay the light bill and uh, also to consider uh, making a gift uh, for programs like Academic WorldQuest to help students uh, know more about what's going on in the world. Again, uh, Patrick Ryan from the World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been Global Tennessee, from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday. technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee, as well as the Penn Jones Conspiracy, I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit tnwac.org podcast for more information.